Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products at abotanicalcompany.com. That is abotanicalcompany.com. Or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Ask questions. Educate yourself about what their products are, how they can help you. They are all about helping people live a better life. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Again, abotanicalcompany.com or 405-458-9699. All right, it's Friday the 13th. Um, Is this a spooky day for people? I I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, Uh, but certainly I've seen a lot of Friday the 13th commentary on social media, and especially in 2020, uh, I think everybody is super cautious today. But uh, look, we've got a big weekend ahead. The Masters is just full tilt right now, and... uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. The fact that we have a weekend without OU, OSU, and the Dallas Cowboys playing football, this is kind of perfect for the Masters to uh, keep us entertained over the course of the weekend. Not to mention, the NBA trade machine is fired up, and the rumor mill is just going 100 miles an hour, and next Wednesday night, I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching uh, this NBA draft and maybe all the rumors and potential trades that lead up to that thing. Uh, and certainly, I, I think the expectation is that there'll be a lot of moves made on Wednesday night as well. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm excited about the Masters, excited about a big weekend. And uh, let's uh, let's get to today's conversation with my good friend, Joe Adkins. And we're going to talk uh, a lot about the NBA, a lot about the Thunder, uh, the Russell Westbrook situation, as well as Joe's Oklahoma State Cowboys and how he's feeling about his squad a week away from Bedlam. So here we go. Today's conversation on the Colby Daniels podcast. My guest is the one and only Joe Atkins. He needs no introduction. Joe, what's going on, my friend? <laughs> if, if only I were that famous. If only I were that famous. What's going on, my man? How you been? You are, uh, look, you're famous in these circles, and that's all that counts. That's all that matters. If, if I'm down, if Kobe <laughs> Daniels is down with me, I'm straight. I, I think I'm pretty good. I'll be all right. Well, look, I, I just, I, I feel like I'm cool by association, so. Well, in your previous life, you were cool for other reasons, <laughs> but now maybe, now maybe that is the case. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. What's going on, man? It's uh, It's been a little bit since we've talked. Uh, we've got a lot of basketball stuff happening, and, and you, there's no way that I'm not going to talk Bedlam football with you a little bit. Because we're a week away, but uh, what's been happening, man? Man, nothing much, man. Just a lot of work, kind of, kind of like yourself. Just working a little bit, um, trying to make a living, trying to stay COVID-free. The grind, um, yeah, yeah, the gr- definitely, definitely a grind. Um, but enjoying trying to enjoy a little football when I can. Uh, but definitely, since basketball season is right around the corner, definitely getting more excited for my my type of season, which you know is always, which I tell you guys. The best part of the, the best sport of the year is getting ready to begin. So, and with me, it's a lot of excitement, dude. This turnaround is pretty crazy, right? Like, we just watched the finals end, and we're like, we've we've just shot out of a cannon right into what's going to be the draft and free agency and this period of time that's just going to be all squished into this short break, and then like December twenty second, basketball games count again. You know, like. I, I hate to talk about, I mean, because of these circumstances, but you know, it's why we're kind of dealing with this, but it's been 
I love it. I mean, because we've kept everything going. I mean, we had the World Series. Just when we had a gap, it was still World Series right. time. Then we went. We had a couple UFC. Um, college football kicked off. So that's just it's just been a lot going on. And then now you have golf, the Masters that's going on at the same time. Like things that we've never seen and put together that are going on at the same time. So I, I think as sports fans, I mean, although, you know, it's probably not, the athletes probably are not as excited and happy as we are because we're always entertained, even in this time where, you know, sometimes we get lows when we're not. It's been a great for sports fans. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, basketball season actually just ended. You know, and went right into football in which we normally have that gap. So for me, it's been exciting because, you know, those are the two main sports for me that I watch. And I didn't have to even get any. I I never got bored because it kicked on right away. So I hate to to get basketball back while football, the same football season is taking place. Yeah, I I wish we could kind of keep doing this, but I (laughs) can't. But it's definitely, I, I, man, the way it's been so close together and everything just kind of ran along right into each other, it's definitely been great for sports fans, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what this NBA season looks like where they go back to a more, like, normal setup versus the bubble situation because, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't like basketball, but I thought the product was just so much better with the bubble environment and honestly it just kind of had a it had a traditional college basketball type of feel to it right like it wasn't uh i I don't know the best way to describe what i'm talking about but there was just a a maybe competitive balance that i felt like was in the bubble that we don't normally get and then you add the fact that there were games like every day all day when the playoffs were going on and it was kind of like a an ncaa tournament type of setting um I, I don't know. Like it just to me, it just had a very fresh feeling to it that we haven't seen in a while. It it was it was definitely was much more fun, and, and as you said, it was like the NC the regular season was like the NCAA tournament where you're watching games all day every day. And I, I think the main part you're talking about is just the the high level of play we saw. I mean, this was the best playoffs I've seen from top to bottom in a very long time like the quality of basketball was i thought phenomenal i I thought the because i think everyone was so rested you saw the competitive juices and it was the playoffs so they guys were a little banged up but not like going through that grind of that 82 and you limped into us into the postseason everyone was kind of fresh so you saw a lot of guys at their best And, and as you see that's what makes nba basketball so great is that the skill of those players i mean the circumstances probably made those guys a lot more focused because they didn't have to have their minds everywhere they were never leaving so it was all about basketball so i think that's why we saw that high level of play but to think on december 22nd we'll get that uh it'll be far-fetched yeah. and then i'm a little worried though because you know guys like lebron that paid played almost 100 games in a season i mean if some of these players get hurt that's what the thing that you don't want to happen is that you have injuries and it's just because the lack of recovery for some teams because they did play so long so i was kind of surprised that they went ahead and went back december 22nd um because i just thought they were going to do something and say you know what 
our main guys, the NBA right now can't afford to have their stars hurt. Although it's ascending and going in the right direction, those it's still about star power. And to compete with other these other sports, which are going to be going on now with them, that wouldn't happen. You're going to have to have your best players if you're going to get that revenue that they really want. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and look, I think uh, I I was listening to the JJ Reddick podcast uh, earlier today. In the latest episode, they were talking to Fred Van Vliet, and he was talking about like the whole bubble situation where like you get done playing a game, and then you walk into this cafeteria, and there's a bunch of dudes from different teams that are just like sitting there hanging out together and talking about ball, and it's just like unlike any other scenario. And then he at one point they kind of mentioned how like you may have just lost to somebody and then you have to see that dude sitting on the other side of the cafeteria eating dinner and like nobody wants to do that you know like it's and, and it just kind of created some rivalries and it created some new friendships and there were just a bunch of maybe like unexpected avenues but then they they kind of transitioned that conversation into what this new season is going to look like and I think it was JJ Reddick just said look every team has knuckleheads in this league there are going to be guys that go to cities and are like I'm not staying in a hotel. I'm going out. I'm going to do something. And uh, I, I I, just got the feeling like they were kind of skeptical as to whether or not left with their left to their own devices, the NBA players could get through a season without maybe uh, having having COVID hit, hit locker rooms. And, and that's the other thing. That's what's going to make it scary. I mean, there's no need. I mean, we're from Oklahoma City. So, you know, during basketball season, you know, the NBA season, you go out. You see guys from the NBA there. I mean, you know, it might not be a wild something, but you just see them, whether it's dinner yeah. or anything, just doing anything, you know, walking around or something. So with this going on, it is going to be hard for those guys to just stay in because, they, I mean, it, they didn't want to do it then with the bubble. I mean, it, in fact, you saw a couple guys get in trouble for leaving or doing whatever. Um, so it, it's going to be much more difficult now that they're going to be kind of back to normal, normalcy as far as travel and going in and out of hotels, how disciplined those guys will be because you just can't control everything. So unless they're going to just put security all over and do all sorts of things, have to spend more money, um, I don't know how they're going to do it. I think COVID is definitely going to be a part of NBA basketball this upcoming season. Well, uh, as far as Oklahoma City goes, uh, let's just kind of jump into that topic because we've had a lot going on as far as Thunder basketball in the last few days. It was just a couple days ago that they announced uh, Mark, is it Dagnalt or Dagnalt? I've heard both. I think Presty said in the press conference, Dagnalt. Um, I'll go with Dagnalt for the time being until I'm, I'm corrected otherwise, but Mark Dagnalt, he coached the Blue. He, uh, he said in the press conference that he was really happy that he was given unprecedented access to the Thunder while he was the head coach of the Blue. So even though he hasn't been with the Thunder for a long time, he spent last year with, with the NBA team, he's been around the team for a lot longer than just one year. Well, I, I think when you talk about Oklahoma City, the thing that you always talk about and what, what makes this organization what it is, different from other organizations in some way special is that the development and it and you almost see it through the coach now i mean i guess there was reasoning sam presti hired him and made sure he was going to be the blue coach because he probably knew at some point this may happen i mean i, I don't think a guy just it coaches the blue becomes an assistant for a year and he becomes the head coach by accident just right. because 
he knows a lot more than those guys that have already been on that bitch for so many years. Now I think it may make more sense of why you've seen Amari's cheeks leave, just up and leave. Like, you know, you bring a guy in that's considerably new because he was, that, I mean, on the D-League, although it's professional. Um, I, I'm not really – I thought they would try for a better name or a bigger name, but it doesn't surprise me with how this organization is just because they pride themselves on development. And let's be honest, they've hit on some and they missed, but over the most part, I think we would all agree that it's a well-run organization. So yeah, no I'm doubt. not surprised in where they are and what we probably see them going as a team. It's not surprising to see the hire because of maybe worth us to go through this rebuilding stage with this organization. I, I'm not saying I'm young by any means, but he's younger than me which is like kind of shocking, I guess. Most definitely. And, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, he go, they go really young. Um, so is it a guy that, you know, is he just a guy, a middleman for the next three years after you, this team, these young players, if they can develop, they become a team, a, a playoff team again, because I, I think we're assuming Chris Paul probably won't be here. Um, we're hearing his name a lot this um well i say this summer this fall i know out of habit i've done the same thing like three times this week yeah yeah this fall which we never say um it's probably fair to say that they're gonna do a little rebuilding now how far they'll go with it um and what they receive back in these trades will be interesting but um i I don't think they'll let chris paul go for anything bare i mean it may they may get better draft picks or whatever but I, i think they do need a Won a couple veterans, and you just have – you need a couple veterans, even though this team is going to be – the nucleus of the team is going to be very young. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I don't know if you saw his his, – Mark Dagnalt, that is – his introductory press conference, but the dude is super chill, very casual, and, like, honestly, as I watched him talk, like, his whole demeanor was very Brad Stevens-like. I didn't see it. Okay. But that's not surprising. I mean, young guys, being a young guy, you're you start with the young players. So you have a better understanding of that generation. I think the older coaches have a problem because the gap is so huge and they're not around those types of kids. I mean, yeah. what young kids are listening to now, I mean, I'm it's fair to say Pop probably doesn't, you know, he probably doesn't listen to that. <laughs> So, you know, if you're not a guy that has a reputation of one of those older guys that's elite, the gap between those, the differences, it can be a problem. So I think going young, I think one of the things that's helped Brad Stevens be successful is he's young and he's allowed those players to develop and he understands how to communicate with them. Um, I think being young, that helps with this young generation and Let's be honest, the Thunder, I think they're going to be really young again. So you do want a guy that, although he's going to be a guy that can really communicate with those guys, you still want to have that imprint on this this organization because, you know, what this is they're doing this for something and to build for the future. So at the same time, that communication, he's going to have to be very careful that when you're young, to not be too cool, but still be demanding. But this organization has done a good job of that, so I won't worry about that because I'm sure Sam done his due diligence, um, and he felt he was the right guy for the job. If, if that's the, the way they want to go, I mean, I have no problem with it because where we are anyway and what we see the team going for the next couple years. Yeah, yeah. 
He was asked about his offensive philosophy. He said pace and space, and he even mentioned analytics a couple times, which I, I think in today's NBA is something you have to pay attention to, right? Like, I, I appreciate the old-school mentality, but, you know, sometimes you have to you have to have old-school and new-school meeting together somewhere in the middle. And, again, I, I just analytics have a place in the game. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, but – in this in this era of of life where we have the availability of numbers to help you prepare and figure out the best way to go about doing something um i i just i appreciate just hearing that word used because i think sometimes in sports uh it's kind of viewed as maybe a negative type thing yeah i i think it's it, it's used i mean it, probably a negative term because you're talking about when you're talking to the athlete and guys that that are in the game of course there are some things in analytics and i think there is a place for it but i'm not a total analytics guy because sure. you know analytics don't really account for people and that's where it kind of deciphers the numbers you can get because in analytics, it tells you something, but it doesn't value LeBron James and that he's the exactly. best player. Exactly. That's the problem in it. And I don't think that's really a problem, but I, I that's why I think you can't be the tell-all, be-all. But I definitely think analytics has helped the game. And there are some analytical things that I really like and I like to use, especially in arguments and things like that, to, because it does show you the true evaluation of a player based on certain things. So it gives you a grade of where you are. So I think it is a place this organization is going to be young. So they're going to do the new things. The Oklahoma yeah. City's not going to be behind with those things. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, and, and the one thing, playing with space, I think it's an exciting brand of basketball. And everybody's going to it. I think that's why the games are so much better. Um, even guys that are not your star-laden players, you're able to see the skill that they have because you're able to use space. And overall, I think the players are getting better. Even though they're young, you can see where the next stars and the up-and-coming guys in this league are going to be really good for the future for the NBA. Yeah. He, uh, he, he said out of the gate, and this was probably my favorite comment that he made, and, and because he made this comment is why I also appreciate the analytic uh, comment as well. He said that he's about connecting with the person first. And as far as his players. He wants to know who the person is and connect with them to figure out the best way to get through. And because of that, it sounds like he's going to evaluate the player and he's going to use analytics as a tool. But I'm with you. I, 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 I wasn't trying to suggest that I think anybody should be analytics say this, so this is the way we're going to go. I just think it's a resource that has to be used in today's game you know, and, and I feel like there is in some ways, especially with the old guard, some pushback on even wanting to allow that to be part of the process. Yeah. And, and, and I think at, you know, older guys do kind of reject it because it, it doesn't, I mean, let's face it, older guys didn't shoot threes. Right. So there was, there was only a certain type of three that they shot where there, not very many guys, in the 90s shot three-point shots off the dribble. They just didn't do it. Right. Let alone dribble it 10 times between your legs behind the back, step back behind the, the pick and roll, and shoot a three. It's just so different. And to state that that's a better shot than maybe that mid-range jump shot, Right. it's hard for those guys to understand what they say, well, if you're going to shoot that mid-range, you may as well go to the hole and shoot a layup. Well, you have to think. 
the league is smaller now than what it was then. So Isaiah Thomas now could go to the hole and shoot a layup. Well, back in the older day, there was always a big guy, a center that's going to block shots and challenge at the rim. Now the guys are so small challenging. Or put you on the floor. Yeah, you're either going to get hammered or it was a Kareem. It was a Chief, Robert Parrish. There were so many bigs that that were shot blockers and and would make those shots more difficult as to where now you see a guy like Draymond Green may play center. You know, it's not going to be that as that deterrent to the rim. So it's much... I think older guys just see this being so much more easy to play now because it is so much space, but a lot of the space is created from what they didn't get to do, which is space the floor with three-point shots. So I think for them, it always looks easier as an older player because it is just so much more space for them to operate. Let's talk about Chris Paul for a minute because I think you mentioned they're not just going to give him away for nothing, and, and certainly they shouldn't. I I would say this, though. I'm curious to know what the conversation with Chris Paul and Sam Presti was when Chris Paul first arrived and what that conversation is now because the way I imagine it going down was Sam Presti told Chris Paul, look, you come in here, you give me everything you have, you be a leader to these guys, and you show these guys how to be a professional And if the right deal comes along and I can put you in a winning situation while I'm also getting something in return, I'm going to do that. And either the right deal never came along or this team was winning the way that they were and, you know, things played out the way that it did a year ago. But but Chris Paul's goodbye after the end of the playoffs very much felt like a thank you, Oklahoma City, for everything, but it's on to the next stop. And again, I don't think Sam Presti's just going to give him away for nothing for the sake of, of making a move. But I do think Sam Presti values how he's viewed among players in the NBA. And players in the NBA view him as a player's GM, right? Like, he is a guy that I think is going to tell a guy, like, I, I'm, I will do my part if you do your part to put you in a situation if you don't want to be here anymore. Or if you want to go play for a contender and don't want to go through a rebuild. So that part of it to me is an interesting dynamic that, I mean, none of us really know the answer to, but I'm sure there's some of that there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he is a player's GM, except for James Harden and Kevin Durant. But oh, I mean, that's another story. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many good things about the organization. I, I just they've been competitive so so long and been you know it's been exciting and it probably still will be it's like man we're going to really they're, they're going to start it over and and i'm sure at the when they first came chris it was uh, i mean everyone was excited and you know they probably didn't expect to have the season they did um once it happened and having a good season sam and the way chris played so well it's like man chris i know i said that but you're really good still. <laughs> so I can't just all of right. a sudden just give you to that team like we may have thought because we weren't going to be as good. But because we are, there's definitely more value in you and no and how you played. Being that he played so well, it, it puts so much pressure on Sam to where you can't just give him away. Because, I mean, based on what we saw last year, you would be giving away – a really, really good player, an all-star for at least two more years. And 
to do that, if you're going to do that, you've got to get something in return. And um, I'm sure they'll find some, they'll find a happy medium probably somewhere. Um, but the process is definitely probably taking a lot longer than what either probably thought when Chris Paul first arrived. Yeah. Well, and let's be honest about Chris Paul's side of that as well. I mean, for as good as he was, his stock is tremendously higher today than it was last offseason. And I, I, he's owed a bunch of money. And look, I, I thought that there might be some teams that had minor interest in Chris Paul, but nobody was going to be willing to give up big-time prospects to bring in a guy that's going to make $40 million at the level that he had played at in his final year in Houston with injury concerns attached to that. He just went through a whole season where he was a leader, he was an MVP candidate. We saw him playing as well as he's played in the last five years, and all of a sudden it maybe makes that $38 million a little bit easier to swallow if you're giving up something to bring him in because he's viewed as potentially a guy that really is that piece that that could put you right in the mix man damn plant-based diets are a motherfucker man <laughs> like, like wow i mean seriously though the yeah. way he and, and you know basically that was the thing he did he i mean he stopped eating you know he just started taking better care of himself really investing in himself and as you know this just being a former athlete and being around athletes when they sacrifice something and it does that he sold that. That's that may have saved Chris Paul an extra couple, two or three, three years on this deal, sure. where he's still playing at a really high level. Um, what the way he played last season and the way he ended, I mean, he, he wasn't really tired. He maybe wasn't as consistent, but it becomes tougher in the playoffs. So, I, I think he's a guy that feels really good, and I think the value of a, a team spending thirty-eight million. Um, I think he's put more pressure on them to maybe think they have to do it. So maybe, you know, Chris Paul does start the year. I know they don't want to do that, but maybe it's a mid-season thing because everyone will really know where they stand. But for some teams and the couple teams that you've heard his name, they could really use Chris Paul, especially when you're talking about a Milwaukee or, or a Phoenix or something where you have a young team, a lot like here, but you have a star in Aiden as well as Devin Booker. Man, you put him over there now. If he can have his imprint on that team as they finished 8-0 in the bubble and you bring that same energy from here, now you have a team in Phoenix that not only were close to making the playoffs, they're now becoming a, a playoff team. So he definitely has an impact on and off the floor. And, and I think as well as he played, I think the biggest thing he did probably for those young players, Kobe, and you will attest to this, and just knowing him, he taught those young men how to be pros right and that's what the difference in veterans and what true veterans are in this league and it's easy to hear it from a guy who who was once good but for him to play like he did oh he definitely got those players attention because you know at first they're like ah, cp he's old he's falling off now but to see him back and back at that elite level Oh, it's much easier to get those young guys to buy in. And and I thought it was phenomenal for both parties. And hopefully they'll have a peaceful ending. At some point, it'll happen, though. True or false, if he gets traded to Phoenix, the number 10 pick of this year's NBA draft will be involved. Well, true. Okay. True. True. I, I mean, because at the end of the day, we know Sam like to, to either that 10 pick. He likes young talent and he likes draft choices. And, you know, 
with the with the way they they they're set up. I mean, they're set up a lot like Boston was, you know, where they had just so many first round picks. I mean, sometimes you're able to put those in. Who knows? Maybe maybe he uses the first round pick with Chris Paul and gets something in return. I mean, that's so when you when you have all those draft choices. Um, although they're young and you know, like, man, it's going to take so long, they become very valuable with some ball clubs and uh, they, they can be huge assets. So the Thunder are still in a really good place. They have a really good guard in Chris Paul that they're, we probably assume they're trying to trade, but won't trade up anything so they can get something in return and maybe stockpile more. But they're not going to use all these picks. We know that at right. some point. Those picks are going to be used in some form or fashion, and we'll see if Sam can work his magic once again. He has done it before, um, but can he do it again? We'll see. Yeah, well, it's it's the whole, like, you know, I have the 10th pick, and I love a guy that's at three, and I'm going to use that, and then two of my future picks to move up to three and get the guy I really want. I mean, that's – that. so when people always say, like, I don't want to see him get any more picks, how many picks do you need? The answer is there's you, you can never have enough picks, ever. Yeah, that, those are Ever. unlimited. Yeah, th- those those um those are house money for you, and th- those are huge bonuses, especially when you're talking about getting deals done. And um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they can work something out and get get up there because that's probably a player that they really like. And you have heard rumors that they were trying to move up. So as the way I mean the way it's going, they're trying to if they can get up higher. It sounds like they want to get up higher, and they have a player. Sam has someone that he really likes and thinks that can help this organization. It'll be interesting to see what they're gonna do because, you know, normally we hear a lot of what's going on with COVID. We don't know anything. Like we know nothing about how the draft, the pre-draft things went. Um, you know, there hasn't been the summer league that we normally see or the pre-draft things where we see the draft picks. Like we have no clue how they, those guys look right now because we just don't get the coverage that we once did because of not COVID and just where we are. So it's very different. But I think at the same times, Sam has always been a guy that's done his due diligence. And I don't think his job, he's changed how he goes about doing what he does even during this COVID. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, they look. There were there were freshmen this year, and we know how big a role freshmen play in the NBA draft. That were just about to play in conference tournaments in the NCAA tournament, and that was kind of cut short. And you know my feelings on the college basketball regular season. I'm not a crazy fan over the the college basketball regular season, but um, to kind of have that taken away, I think in some way prevents us from seeing those guys really have their their big opportunity to see how they perform when the lights are are brightest um but this year more than ever i was saying this yesterday on the podcast the nba draft is all about potential and it's that way every single year but i feel like this year it's even more so like there's less polish on the guys that are entering this thing and it's more about seeing what the final product could be without having as much of the maybe educated guest part of it in the equation. Yeah, and you're right because the one thing you do during draft time is you get a couple guys at the same position and you see, you let them go at it and then you kind of get a feel for them versus each other. There was none of that. Everyone had to go individually. Well, as you know, if I teach you and train you a certain type of way, Kobe, all we have to do is put it on film again. So you get to do 
so much. It's so much easier for those guys to have success because they don't have to play against each other and play against someone to maybe be exposed because we've seen that where guys won't go against this guy or he doesn't want to go because they don't want to see what will happen or they, they're not confident what's going to happen. So not having that, you don't see that competitive nature in guys. And I think sometimes that can be big. So it's going to be huge to see how guys go about going what they want because it is truly potential now. So it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see how guys are graded and uh, based on what you think they'll be because we know there'll be some some guys probably at the end of this thing that could be one of the better players because we just didn't have access to see them or neither did the team. Is there an undisputed number one pick for you in this draft? Do you feel like there's a clear-cut best player available? Um, to be honest, I really think LaMelo Ball probably has the, the biggest, hugest upside because 6'8 can do so much. And he's already played a little professional, Kobe. Like, right. you can say, you can make up things, say, oh, that was terrible. They didn't do school, but what they did was actually what the European players do. Right. So he has actually played at a higher level. So I think Against grown men. Yeah, that really can help him. And it, it, it helped him in his development and, and can help him going stepping straight in because he's played at a higher level. Um, but he just has a lot of talent, man. Um, he can do a lot. I do like Wiseman as well. But there's a lot of guys that can be just really good players. I don't know if they have a guy – that's going to be a generational talent. I don't know if that's in this class, but there are some guys that are really good and have a chance to have long, long careers. And in a draft, you just want the you want it to be a deep draft. You want uh, those guys to to be picked and, and be successful. But as we know, it, it's so hard in this league. Um, it, it's very interesting. Based on this season, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see and, and know what teams are going to do to see who actually gets it right. Yeah. I, I don't look at this draft and, like, see a guy that I think is a guarantee, like, future all-star. And I think most seasons, there is a guy or maybe two or maybe in some years three guys that we kind of pinpoint as, like, that guy is going to be a future all-star at some point. Like, it's 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 there as long as he doesn't get hurt. Like, he's going to grow into that guy. I, I don't know. I, I'm not seeing it at this point. There's not that guy that I'm just, like, crazy about his game. I think Anthony Edwards is probably the dude closest to that for me. But after LaMelo Ball, and, and I know you mentioned Wiseman, anybody else for you maybe give you that sort of impression at all? Um, as I, I, I can't say they're going to be just uh, those three guys, I think, have a chance to be all-stars. I think when you look at those guys, they do. But when you talk about just deep in the draft and knowing, like, do I there, – there are guys I like – um, but that, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they're going to be a – I, I can't guarantee and say they're going to be, you know, an all-star. Yeah. In this, if, and, I, and I think that's different. I do like Obi Toppin because he's older. Yeah. I think he's mature. I think he's the athleticism and the things that he can do with the league going so small, he can be a big and be successful because that's how you can get matchup problems. And pretty um, versatile, right? Which is, I mean, I think well, the I, biggest key in today's game is versatility. Yep, and and so I, I do like him. Um, I like um, I'm I kind of like Cole Anthony, but a guy I really like is Tyrese Maxey because oh, I yeah. watched him grow up. 
um, in in Dallas and watched his career, high school career. So I'm I'm excited to see how he'll do. Um, I think I saw uh, he's in you know between the, the top twenty. So there there are the funny thing is he's the only Kentucky guy in the first round, and he's in the top twenty and not the top five. How right. long has it in Kentucky not had a guy? That was right there for the number one pick. So I think when you look at let look at this draft, there's a lot of guys from different places. I mean, you know, you see, you know, Vandy has a guy that's in the top ten. Maryland, um, you know, there's a you know Iowa State and Halliburton. What's his name? Uh, yeah, Halliburton. Tyler, yeah, Halliburton is Halliburton. Yeah, with him, I, I think he has a chance to be a really good pro. Um, so it, it's some guys that I think could have a chance to have good long careers, but I can't just say there's a 10-year all-star for sure. I think the body of Anthony Edwards, it's easy to say, you know, he's probably a guy the way he can shoot it. If he can develop and, and you know, continue to work on his game, he's a guy that probably can as well. But guys, like I say, Toppin, even Wiseman, because he's a quicker guy. He can kind of, if he can create that field and kind of be analytical and space the floor, when you can do that in this day and age, you can be successful. I heard the knock on Maxi is that not a good enough shooter. And I want to get your take on this because a lot of this is analyzing guys and what they are now and what you think they can become. And and look, there are some guys that you can look at their shot and say, you can work with that and, and you know, spend time shooting thousands of jumpers, he'll become a better shooter. There are some guys it's just never going to happen for. Maxi to me, seems like a guy, I'm not overly worried about his shot. I think he's a guy that can get better in that area. Well, Thoughts? I think he's I think he's a guy that's that will get better. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've watched him, and he's a gym rat. Like, he'll get in there and, and really get in that gym. And, and, you know, I didn't realize... I thought he was a better shooter and watching him in high school, but he's also proven to me he's a better all-around player than I've seen. I mean, for Kentucky, he ended up kind of putting that ball in his hands and when it was time to make plays because he could do a lot. Um, he can score a lot of different ways, Kobe. He really can score the basketball. He can pass. He, he has a great feel for it. He's not selfish. And I thought at Kentucky, he was a guy, even though he was highly touted, he was a guy that was willing to make the extra pass. But he is a guy that stays in the gym. And he can shoot it. He's just not a guy where right now he's a knockdown shooter. But I think he'll work on that and become better at it. Yeah. But I think he'll be one of those guys that just does a lot, you know, He's a guy that that may go against analytics a little bit because he might not just be a great three-point shooter, but there'll be other things that he can do that maybe analytics will go against, but it's going to make him a good player. Yeah, like, I'll just give you an example, and I'm I'm not comparing these guys, but like Chris Paul coming out of Wake Forest wasn't just an incredible knockdown shooter, right? Like, nobody looked at Chris Paul and thought, this guy's a great shooter, and and even coming into the league, like, he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad either. And as he's gotten older, his shot has gotten better. But it's not like something that we look at Chris Paul every year and say, well, he's not a he's just not a great three-point shooter, so we dismiss him. Like, that's kind of like the same type of, yeah. I guess, situation I look at Maxi with. Like, I don't think that has to be the key to his game. I think he's good enough that he doesn't have to be a great three-point shooter, but I also don't think he's Ben Simmons either. Oh, no, no doubt. And I, I think you kind of hit it on the head and evaluating. And what you're saying is that, yeah, he was a guy that's not really known as a as a as a shooter. But the way it looks, 
I, I don't see anything that says he won't become a better shooter. And I think with Chris Paul, I thought it looked good, but I mean, when you're a guy, when you're a guy that can get wherever you want on the floor and you don't have to shoot jump shots, but you can't, you're not as good a shooter because you don't depend on that because you can just do something else. Well, I think in the pros, they learned that, hey, I can't always do that. It's much easier to be able to stand behind and work on this behind the line and make it easier for my offense and make it easier for my ability to create by being able to get by guys because you can use the three-point shot as a weapon. Thoughts on Wiseman and maybe what the comp is for him at the NBA level? I mean, obviously, most people have seen very little of him, but the canvas is is incredible, right? No no doubt. Extremely athletic. Um, man, he, he's so, I don't know how tall is he. How tall is he? He's extremely long, but I've seen him listed. I think at six eleven, and I've seen him listed at seven foot. So yeah, he's a guy. I mean, he he's the one that attacks the rim, but he he has touch as well, Kobe. So he's not a he's not a guy that's a big that can that has to be near the basket. Now I, I can't say he shot it from the college three, but he does shoot it well enough to space it. And he's a guy that, because his athleticism, he'll be valuable early because you'll be able to switch pick and rolls with with the big. And you know the NBA is kind of trending to where big switch it and they right. guard smaller guys. He's a guy that uses athletic. He has athleticism, so not only maybe he can stay in front, but when guys go to the rim, he's a guy that can still stay in the game and protect your rim because he's so athletic. Um, so with the right team, he really can be effective with spacing, and you get a guard who can penetrate and pitch because he's a guy that can finish at the rim, but he's not just stiff to where he can't make shots. So, I mean, he could be maybe uh, – he maybe has more skill coming out than Aiden, I think, where he was a little better than DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden probably better defensively. I think he was, he's a little better offensively. Yeah. But – it's that maybe that type of player where they're they're I mean they're seven foot, but their athleticism allows them to stay on the floor versus this small ball that we're seeing now. And if you can kill big guys on the floor, you can be effective because not only defensively you can you can defend the rim, but when they get smaller guys, they gotta be able to punish those guys. And I thought I think he's a guy because he is a physical guy and likes to select, dunk the ball a lot that he can be that guy that can punish those little guys when they switch. Yeah. And there's not many bigs that do that now. Again, limited amount of, of tape on him, but I, I would say I felt like Aiton probably more skilled, but I think Wiseman, by a pretty considerable margin, is more athletic and explosive. Yes. And, Better and feet. I think, yes. Aiden early, when he started the first he was he was much more – a defender. He got he just kind of kept getting better offensively at Arizona yeah. that year. And now because he I mean he's young, he's he's developing. I mean he's become much better offensively. I mean he's added a lot to what he I mean he, he can now make a couple post moves, face the basket a little. So he's definitely added on to his game. But um I really like Aiden and, and why I, I think Wiseman can be that type of player. But I, I think the thing is, Kobe, it's always about situation and opportunity. If those guys can get on that floor early, it creates confidence for those guys and they can learn on the job. So many times rookies have to sit and watch and that becomes difficult because you really can't learn it until you get out there. So yeah. the better it is for guys to be on the floor and they're going the NBA is are you they're going to young guys now. They're playing them and giving them opportunities. So that's why I think this league is becoming better.
Here's here's a physical comp that ESPN.com has on Wiseman at at age 18, same age, and and comparing him to Stephen Adams when Stephen Adams was 19 coming out of Pitt. They were both seven foot. Adams was 255. Wiseman 251, and they both had seven four wingspans. Woo, that's a lot of length. So, and uh, and he's obviously at 18. He's gonna get bigger. Oh yeah, he'll definitely get bigger. Um. It, that that's a, that's interesting because that's just I, the physical comp, yeah. Physical comp, yeah. I, I thought he was a little better offensively than Stephen, but Stephen was he was a guy that was by the rim and effective. I mean, Stephen has had his moments here, um, but Stephen, man, he he's so big now. So when you think about that comparison, it's like, woo, man, if he puts on weight like that, it can keep the athleticism, right? You're talking about a player that can become a, a consistent all uh, star every year. So it, it's it, it's interesting with these young guys, but I think those three guys that we talked about, I think early on, I like those guys. Maybe if someone's gonna be kind of be a be an all star, perennial all star, I think it'll be one of those three. But it wouldn't surprise me with some of these other guys if we get another one or two. <laughs> the last few years, I've I've kind of started drifting toward this mindset and I don't think you and I've ever even had this conversation so I'm curious to get your thoughts but when I look at at the value of bigs in today's NBA the guys that are incredible have a ton of value but there are some certain things that you have to have or you're just one of a bunch of bigs in the league that are kind of used in in situational type things and the way that I look at this basically is in the NBA draft, I almost feel like bigs have become like the running back in the NFL draft. Like to me, unless there is somebody that is just so special, I think it's really hard to take a guy like that in the top five. Again, unless he's really special because look around the league and look at, at all these past drafts and how many teams get bigs in the late first, how many teams get project bigs in the second how many bigs there are available in free agency that you could just go get for very cheap at this point? Um, thoughts on that? That just premise. Um, I think I think you're spot on with your analogy that it is like a running back. I, I was going to actually say that like the big is like the running back in the NBA, you know, in the NFL now because it's a it's needed, but you don't necessarily have to have it to win because. As you said, with where the league is, if you're not doing these certain things, then you're not going to be as effective, and teams can do things to eliminate what you want to do offensively. Sort of like, I mean, it's harder unless you're a guy, if you can't pass catch on first down, there's no need. You Just running you up the middle, that it, it's not that's not as sexy anymore, and it just hasn't been as effective, and, it, and it's a pounding on your body. I think bigs now, when they go high, it's going to be that DeAndre Aiden or Wiseman type guy, where they're 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 athletic and can move and be able to defend on the perimeter right. because you have to be able to take away the three point shot. If you can't do that, you instantly become a bottom first round guy or even a second round guy not that you won't make a team but the need for you to take you early is just not there for teams yeah you you have to have some offensive ability away from the rim uh and you know you can point at guys like Embiid or or Towns 
you know, obviously Jokic is is almost like a point guard for Denver, as skilled as he is with the ball in his hands and his passing ability. Um, again, offense away from the rim, or you have to be so good defensively, like a Bam Adebayo, for example, to your point about being able to play on the perimeter. And if you don't have one of those two traits, like I don't even know how you're selling me this guy going in the top five. So my question for Wiseman is, do you see him being either one of those types of guys where he can be that perimeter defender, he can be a guy that can switch on most positions on the floor, or is he a guy that you think is going to be offensively skilled enough that he can play away from the rim and he doesn't become, you know, a big negative in that regard? I think I think I said he's he's decent offensively. I think he's still wrong. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I see him much more like a Bam. But the thing about Bam is, and we didn't see this at Kentucky, he handles the ball so yeah. much. So, and, and Bam's a little smaller than him. So, but yes, you definitely, if, if you're going to be on the floor, either you're going to be defensively and, and create chaos because you can defend smaller guys and be able to score in the lane and be physical. I mean, Bam is physical offensively, keep possessions alive. Um, he he's closer to that than being that guy where you're just going to throw it to him and say, get me a basket. Right. So, yeah, I, I think you're spot on where I think he's much more of a bam out of bio, especially early, than a guy that you're going to ask to to be a focal point offensively. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I really like Wiseman, and I really like just the, the raw canvas that's there, and I, I, I'm really excited to see what kind of player he becomes in the NBA. Uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm just hesitant with, you know, for all the reasons I just explained, to take a big when, you know, you look at, at how the league is, is played and so many perimeter players. And even if you think he's the better player, if you feel like another guy even has close to the same upside but is a guard or a wing, it, I almost feel like you just have to give that guy the benefit of the doubt. But then I circle back in this particular draft. I don't know how many of those guys there are. I mean, it just... This feels like a draft, Joe, honestly, where I look at, like, the top 20, for instance, and I almost feel like the guy that we see at 10 could be in a mock draft could be in position 20, or the guy we see at 18 could be taken at 9. Like, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of separation in my mind, and I feel like in a lot of a lot of years, we at least kind of see these tiers of what range a guy is probably going to be drafted in, and, and again, this one just kind of seems to be crazy, and part of it probably is the lack of of ability to work these guys out in a full season and there's just not as many knowns and box checked from a scouting standpoint i guess yeah because i mean let's th- i mean those guys were in the bubble so they didn't have a chance to do a lot of their scouting in the the, the detail scouting that you do and plus guys weren't working out so it's definitely going to be a different it, it's different because it is man do you do it's all about do you think wise and i think for two with Golden State takes him, I think he has a chance to be really successful early because there is so much spacing. So for him, that's a need because they need to get bigger because you're right. going to have to get bigger in the West as well because you have a guy in Jokic. You have so many guys, bigs, that can move. They're extremely big, but they can move and play with the ball. So you're going to have to defend on the perimeter. So it's a guy where he becomes valuable with that because he can do those things. And offensively, now with a Steph and Clay, now he's able to be that rim where he can finish with dunks and the analytics work, you know, because he's finishing at the rim. So I, I think it's all about fit. And uh, 
like you say, everybody they're gonna be guessing. I mean, I mean, you're guessing on this potential. As I, as as we said, it, it's a draft to where we don't know if there's a guy out there that any out of all these guys that that's a perennial all star. So, and to see that we normally know, but this is a draft yeah. where we don't. Yeah, there's not a Zion, right? There's not a. I'm not that I believe. Yeah, there's not like like. Jason Tatum's here. I know he was taken three. I thought he was the best player in that draft, and I thought he was he was like a Zion type guy. Like that's gonna be a future All Star caliber type player. Um, you know, Anthony Davis obviously was was one of those just no brainer, can't miss number one overall picks. Uh, but yeah, this is this is an interesting one. Uh, I'm gonna give you a few names that I've seen. If the Thunder don't make the Chris Paul trade, they don't end up with the 10th pick, or they don't in some way move up. They have the 25th pick in next Wednesday night's draft. I'll give you a couple names of some guys I've seen uh, going there. First, Desmond Bain, guard TCU. TCU. Man, I don't even remember him, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, he can't play. I mean, you know, it, it's all about fit. You know, yeah. there, there's many things. It, like I said, in within this, there's, as you see, there's a lot more guys that can be successful that aren't your names that we that we really know. I mean, you have a guy like Duncan Robinson who's extremely effective because he can right. really just shoot the ball. I mean, the skill level in – and in the league now is much higher and it's a it, it's a league to where it's a the things you do well you have to do them really well and what your strength is if it's something that can be effective and needed you have a chance to be successful so yeah it's it's not one of those things now where it's played the way it used to be played where it was so much about x's and o's now it's so much about being creative so it's so much different where guys don't have to think as much and they're just reacting of what's going on and it makes it easier to play and be successful. Yeah. He uh he shot 43% from 3. Uh sometimes I feel like these uh I I don't know. I, I don't know how often the college 3 translates to the NBA 3. For some guys it does, for some guys it doesn't. Uh so take that for what it's worth, but his comp is Dylan Brooks. Um another guy Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. Now, athletic. Um, no, Cassius is not athletic. Uh, excuse me. A guy, just a winner. Um, he's a... Is he he's like guy. the guard version of Draymond Green? Yeah, like, I mean, it, his, he's bad built. Um, yeah. He's always... He just finds a way. I mean, like, his whole body's the same yeah. size. He's a point guard. Um, but... This year, he was one of the best players in the country. I thought for Michigan State, he was a guy that took all the big shots, made all the plays. They depended on him a lot to do a lot of things, and he came through. Um, he's a guy that's a winner. Not the guy – I mean, he's not going to blow by you. He's not going to wow you. He does a lot of things good, maybe not anything great. But I think his biggest asset is just he makes plays and wins. And yeah. uh, sometimes that's a skill too as well, and, and, and it's not – really accounted for enough early, but some guys just know how to win. And and I think those are guys that you want. Um and, and especially gonna have a young team, you want guys that that have that hunger to win. Do you know anything about Jaden McDaniels, freshman from Washington? No. Okay. <laughs> Same here. Uh I'll tell you an interesting one and I, I don't uh 
I don't think he's going to be available at 25, but R.J. Hampton. Well, they'll take that. They'll take that, Arch, and, and that would be a guy. I mean, he's a guy from Texas. Um, right. Yeah, so he's not far. And they got a chance to play against him in some, you know, um, in the preseason. Maybe that was a guy that they just wanted to look at, so they gave him that game. Um, RJ is a skilled guy. Um, I think it'll take him some time, but he is a guy that he has some skill. He could be good in the future, but – and he's like a basically it's going to take a little bit of time but if you can get them on the floor early the better they become because they're able to learn like i said on the fly and but it's going to be hard to play because the oklahoma city has so many young players so can yeah. he beat out one of those young players so i, I like the pick i mean it's I, I would like that pick if they could get rj at 25 he's definitely a young guy that i think um can do some things that you possibly could build on Another trade that potentially happens in the next week, and obviously the Chris Paul situation is is very fluid and wouldn't surprise me at all to see it happen by next Wednesday. Dennis Schroeder, apparently, there are reports that the Knicks are in talks with the Thunder on Dennis Schroeder and the Lakers are in talks for Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, that's not surprising. I mean, he makes a lot, but Dennis was really good this season, so... I mean, it, it's not surprising. It wouldn't surprise me if, if both of those guys are gone. And uh, because, of course, you're going to get something for them. It, it's what you're going to get. Probably stockpiling picks again with that as well. But um, you're also getting some money. You're getting off. You're getting rid of a lot of that money, man. So, so they'll be able to not only uh, um, stockpile some money, but they'll still have those drag picks. And who knows? Maybe you could convince somebody to come and also maybe take him in the final year. But you can give him that huge extension. And maybe that's worth getting them to stay. All right, uh, we got to talk about the Houston Rockets. Are you are you in tune to what's happened in the last like forty eight hours there? Well, I know Russ wants out. Correct. Russ wants out. He wants yeah. to go to a situation where he can play the brand of basketball that he was playing in Oklahoma City, which, which uh, is- I made the statement yesterday, and I'm dead serious. There might only be two or three teams in the entire NBA that would be willing to, A, bring him in for the amount of money that he's going to make while letting him play that role. Yeah, that that role is not – that role is just not very much in the NBA. They're not using that. The Knicks <laughs> and the I mean, Hornets were the two I brought up, and then a buddy of mine texted me and said the Pistons. The, well, those are young t- teams that are not playoff teams, right. so – the star player maybe he gets you to the playoffs um it, it's not gonna be a team that's a contender that's no. for sure if he wants to play like that um it's it's not really surprising that that russ would want to do that because who wouldn't i mean everything was based around you so right. i mean of course he wants to get in that situation will he i don't know but if he's not able to Russ is going to have to change some of his game if he wants to be a champion. Now, if he just wants to put up all kind of numbers uh, and say I'm one of the best then, hey, go to these sorry teams a team's not as good and and average your triple-double for three three more years. It doesn't matter. It just depends on Russ. I think Russ is talented enough, but I think Russ is also uh, at a point in his career where he's going to have to make a decision what he wants to do with his career because the athleticism is still there, but it's definitely not what it once was so he's gonna have to start playing much more with his mind rather than his just physical attributes if if that part of it hasn't i wouldn't i don't know whether it's fair to say that it hasn't changed at all but 
if it has, it's very minimal. If it hasn't happened by now, it almost feels like that ship has sailed, right? Like, he's probably, at this point, probably just the guy he's going to be. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, the one thing, you just want him to be a creator for others if he played with another star, but obviously, wanting to play like that, you're not playing with another star. Nobody's right. going to sit there and want to play alongside you while you do that. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, just had to say, okay, to play on a good team. All right, he just yeah. wants to put numbers. So if that's what he wants to do, hey, if, to each his own. I mean, some guys want yeah. to leave or win a championship. Some guys want to stay and just put up big numbers. So it sounds like if that's what he wants to do, then he's not going to be on a very good team. Which is why it works with the Knicks or the Hornets. No, most definitely. Look, because there, there are some bad teams that I think would even turn it down because they have young pieces that they're not going to just rob that opportunity to give Russell Westbrook the keys to the Ferrari. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I would say the, the, the Knicks or, or the Hornets because they have young players but not one of those young players that right. they think is going to be a star. So you could get away with Russ doing that and helping those young guys kind of develop. But – when you play like that, I don't know how much development those young guys are getting. So it's going to be an interesting offseason for Russ and see who's going to tr- actually pull that trigger. So he had a wish list of teams that, that he he would consider being traded to. And I'll, I'll just start with this one. And this, to me, just seems like maybe the worst trade ever. Milwaukee. I mean, yeah. I understand why he wants to do it. Yeah, you want to be on a good team, but Greek Freak actually does what Russ does. So, unless, yes, they need another guy, but Russ is really, really assertive. Like, I don't know how many shots Greek Freak is going to get with Russ if he's going to play the way he plays. Like, they have a guy that can do what you do. So, I don't know if that's the right fit. I understand that they want another guy because in crunch time, he has had trouble, Giannis, um, getting baskets, so they needed another guy to make plays, but I don't know if Russ is actually that guy they need. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would, your point, I mean, they kind of do the same thing from different positions, obviously, but they kind of do the same thing. They both rely on their freak, either physical size or athleticism, and, you know, they're both, uh, below average shooters most definitely so it definitely going to shrink shrink the floor for those guys as well so i don't know if it's going to be as easy as it would appear for them to actually become more effective offensively which they had trouble scoring in the playoffs the other one that was funny to me was the clippers and i i just unless he's going to take on like a sixth man role and maybe just be like okc russ with the twos this one to me also is just horrible. With the Clippers, that's not happening. Right. I mean, we have other guys that can do so. Yeah, he wants to play with those guys, but what you say, I want to play. If you're talking about being the point guard again, okay. But if you're talking about playing how you actually played Oklahoma City, that's not the team, buddy. They're, they're okay with that. So, again, you can have a wish list, but, I mean, I think you have to be realistic at the same time. Just hypothetically, what do you think would be the best situation for Russell Westbrook? I think maybe Charlotte, though, because they have a guy and they had Kimba who scored a lot of points. He can do that. Like, he'll be able to get to the basket and and do all those things and be entertaining and make it get them back to the playoffs. But they're not going to be a contender. And uh, 
Later in careers, most guys want to win championships. He's obviously choosing to, to choose numbers. Is there a contender that you think he could play for? And obviously the financial aspect of this makes this really hard because I don't know what contender is going to want to take on that contract, you know, at $40 million. Um, but is there a contender that you think he could play for that he actually, like, helps? Because, again, his playing style, I think when you start looking at the contenders in the NBA, I don't know that, I like, I would want his style with some of these teams. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the good teams, he, it just doesn't fit. They have guys that can do that. And they don't need you shooting 28 times a game. Right. I mean, it's just guys who shoot the ball so much better. Now, if he wants to be a, a facilitator and become a much more getting to that rim and kicking out for shooters, you would love him because he can get to the rim at any time. But some of the decision-making, I mean, it just kills a, 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 a contender. You can't afford to make some of the state mistakes that he makes. He's made them for a long time. Like, right. Like he's gonna do it his way no matter what when we've seen for so long it hasn't worked you have to say at some point you have to change yeah well and that's why you know I, I think when that first year when he averaged the triple double and it was the first year without Durant and it was just this whole brand new situation I think a lot of people were on the this is never going to work this is you know who Russell Westbrook is and and at that point, at least, I was still willing to give him time to, you know, figure out what the situation was around him, what was was going to be needed from him on a nightly basis, and, and kind of maybe grow into that role, and he never really did, and, and at this point, again, I think today's his 31st birthday, in fact, uh, I, I just, I tend to think the guy that he is now is just the guy he's going to be, I, I, you know, barring... Uh, Barring just wanting to become, you know, a role, a, a glamorized role player, I just I don't know how he's he's going to be anything different. Yeah, well, yeah, that, it's some truth to that. Like a lot of it, actually. But those first couple years, he didn't have a guy, another guy. He right. really did you know. Then he got Paul George. I thought he tried to play alongside Paul George, but he has to play at that pace because that's what makes him who he is. Yeah. So it's just hard to play him with other stars because he doesn't play well without the ball. He has to have the ball in his hands. So when you talk about other playing alongside other stars, well, if they have the ball, then he's just not effective. So he's going to have to find a way to play without the ball or you're going to have to put the ball in his hands all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tough position. And, uh, I don't know. It's. I think it's going to be maybe a rough, rough finale to uh, the final years of his career. Maybe so. It probably so. Or, or he goes to to uh, Charlotte and is is an all star three or four more times because he's averaging twenty eight points a game and and you know close to a triple double again and the usage rate is through the roof and uh, he's their only scoring threat. Yeah. So I mean, in those situations, he will be successful because he can, he can do that. Yeah. But as far as winning, it's just not a winning style of basketball. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk some football. Uh, your Oklahoma State Cowboys, Joe. I felt a lot better about them two weeks ago, and uh, I, I would be lying to you if I said I felt confident in them winning Bedlam this year. Well, 
I'm not. I'm never confident with Bedlam, and I'm never confident when they play Texas. Well, right. I mean, this is this is the thing. Oklahoma State has established themselves as a Big Twelve power. They're, they're, I mean, they're pretty much been there for the last decade, compete for that championship. When they play those other teams, they match up. When they match up, they find ways to win those games. The only thing that separates them from Oklahoma and Texas is athletically. And it's athletically in the trenches. So anytime you play those teams, they're able to out-talent you in some ways that those other teams in the league haven't been able to do, even though those teams aren't as good. The personnel just allows them. I mean, Texas only goes for 200 yards, but you get a kick return 100 yards for a touchdown. You don't give up those plays. That's just pure athleticism and talent. You know, that's I have a guy that can make a play, and none of your guys can stop him. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma has a little of that as well. A lot of that, I should say. And I think Oklahoma State possibly has the better team, but they don't have the best personnel. And in these games, it's kind of always these close games where we think Oklahoma State had a chance. It's come down to personnel where OU in the trenches are able to just out-physical those guys. And as we know, possibly this year, and Oklahoma State, they're really beat up. They've got to get healthier to even have a chance. But if they're healthy, they'll be right there. If OU, I'll say this, if they play the suit, OU wins, if OU doesn't get sexy, if they decide we're going to make them play in the trenches and, and we're going to out-physical them and we're going to keep the ball out their hands and we're going to pound them and pose our will, they'll win. But if they want to get cute and let Spencer Rattler throw the ball all around the field, Oklahoma State's going to win that football game. And that's what it basically boils down to for me yeah. because I know if Oklahoma decides to get physical, that small defense, they're just going to wear on them and take its toll on them at some point. Then you have Stevenson running the football. It'll be too much. But Oklahoma State, because offensively they can make some plays, they'll be right there. But I just think if it comes down to it, Oklahoma, they can hit a hitch on you and just get a first down and some things that athletically they're able to do that they can just overcome it. But I like Oklahoma State still. If, if they can get some turnovers in the game and create it, it definitely can change it. Because if they go possession for possession, I think OU's offense will agree is better. Yeah. And although Oklahoma State's defense is better, I don't know if they're as much better defensively against OU as OU is against Oklahoma State offensively. And Isn't I that think crazy to say? Yeah. And that, that sounds so much different than what we've been accustomed right. to saying because that Oklahoma State defense is really good, they're man. They're great. They're great, that, man. I think they're one of the best in the country. No doubt. So they'll give themselves a chance, but that offense is going to have to be effective. But it, it's going to it's going to come down to the crunch, trenches, as it always does. But Oklahoma State, can they block Oklahoma enough to make those plays down the field? Because as we know, Oklahoma, you got to get down the field. You got to hit those big plays. The teams that have beaten them and had success, it's because they've hit big plays on them. So you got to be able to give Spencer Sanders time. And that, to me, that's been the biggest difference is that he hasn't had enough time. And he's missed some throws, and he's been turnover prone. He can't put it on the ground to throw interceptions. Yeah. But if Oklahoma, if they can, if Oklahoma State can block them long enough, they can definitely make some plays. But uh, I, I think overall, OU probably squeaks by and wins the game just because I think they just have more Jimmys and Joes. Yeah. If you had told me before the season started that Oklahoma State was going to have the best defense that I've seen in my lifetime at least – 
and Oklahoma was going to start conference play 0-2, I would have told you OSU is a guarantee to win the conference. Most definitely. Before the season started, if you said it's the best defense that you've ever seen in the history of Oklahoma State football, and OU is going to start in an 0-2 hole in conference play, I'm like putting the mortgage on OSU to win the conference. And and the reason I say that, it's just to kind of point out how I think big a missed opportunity this is with the Oklahoma State offense because that was something that none of us even considered before the season even being a problem, right? Like, even if they weren't great, like, there, I, I don't think anybody anticipated that there was even the potential of the offense struggling in any way. Maybe they're just going to be average, but not that they were going to be potentially the worst unit in a Bedlam matchup. And that's an offense that still has Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard for crying out loud. Yeah, that's I mean, mind blowing to me. It, it it is, but again, that offensive line. Yeah. I mean, yep. Chuba has it. I mean, they and they're beat up, and and, and they're not even healthy. And when they are healthy at one hundred percent, I still don't think it's one of the better lines in the Big Twelve. Um, I think L. D. Brown is. He just maybe his running style has helped that offensive line a little more. But Chuba just hadn't had room this season to operate. Um, they've hit you with some big plays, but Sanders has had a lot of turnovers, and that hurts your offense when you're putting the ball on the ground because a few times, it, even throughout this year, it's been where they will cross the 50, and you're probably going to add points, and you've had turnovers. Um, they've been able to uh, get away with it. I think, um, you know, you hear the talk of why Oklahoma State won't play the backup. Kobe, that line, he can't yeah, get away. Yeah, no, he can't. The escapability is, is what why they haven't seen the change with a guy dropping it that much. I, I mean, completely agree. I, I'm sure they've thought about it because there's no doubt he can sling it. And what Spencer can, Sanders probably can't do, he can, which is those windows, those small windows that are open. Yeah. He can hit. I think the accuracy of Spencer Sanders still has to get better. Uh, some of his decision-making – but he's uh he's got to quit putting the ball on the ground and uh and having turnovers for that team because they're too good offensively for to give that many possessions away and they definitely can't against a high power team like Oklahoma you won't give yourselves a chance at all. So right now there are 123 active teams in Division One football. Take a guess at what they are ranked as far as scoring offenses in the country. One thirty. Well, they're not that bad, but... <laughs> hey, hey, what I'm accustomed to seeing, man, it feels like it. <laughs> hey, man, hey, boy, I'm with ride. you. It does feel like it. It does feel it's like it. It's out there watching those yeah. guys. Yeah. And, like, I mean, they're struggling. Yeah, they're, mean, they're 69th. Yeah, oh, man, that that's not good. Not good. And, I mean, with that defense, you know, we used to be elite offensively, have a top 10 out defense, say, man, if that defense could even be 40. I mean, if that offense can get to 40, the 40, I mean, just number four, I mean, it would make it so much better and make it so much easier on that defense because they put a lot of pressure on that defense all year, and they can't afford to keep that defense on the field against Oklahoma. Kobe, they're going to wear them out. By the fourth quarter, they won't be able to tackle, and they'll run all over them. Agreed. So that's why it's important that that offense does stay on the field a while and at least sustain drives for a while. If you make them go the long way, I think you give yourselves an opportunity because you can take a chance to give up three because you're going to hit some big plays on them. 
they've always found a way to hit those plays. But it's if can you make enough plays. And to make enough plays, they're going to have to play mistake-free football. Yeah. Oklahoma State's defense averages giving up 17.8 points per game. That's 15th in the country. And obviously, you know, against Oklahoma, the expectation isn't 17 points. Uh, but under 30 points a game for this Oklahoma offense to me is just mind-blowing. I, I would have never in a million years guessed that was going to be the case this year. And, Kobe, you got to think, it would be lower. They gave up 34 to Texas only because the offense yeah. – we gave them the ball down there. Short where fields they, and, yeah. Short fields in the red zone, or they yep. ran it to the red zone. So they really should have held Texas at 17 points. You're talking about that average being about 16, 15 points. I mean, they've been really good all year. and But this is the offense that puts you to the test because not only can they stretch it and, and with a great philosophy like the Iowa State's and the uh, Iowa State hit you with big plays, but they actually have that big-time personnel. So it's going to be a challenge for Oklahoma State, no doubt. But I think the experience does help in this game, and it helps that OU has a freshman quarterback. I mean, yeah. I, no, make no mistake, if they can get him to make a few mistakes, and he sh- he's been proven to make some, He's getting much better as the year goes on, but I much much rather wanted to play OU early in the year. Because yeah, for I, sure. They would get it rolling towards the end because he is so talented and so good. You know, as he the more every game he plays, he becomes a little bit better. So I think if you're gonna get him, this is the year to get him because in the next couple, they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with, starting with Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Uh- just a quick quarterback question because I completely agree with you about the whole Shane Illingworth, Spencer Sanders thing. So much of the issue right now is the offensive line that that you have to have somebody that has mobility and and even more than that, somebody that at least has some experience and isn't going to to just be back there as a sitting duck. You know, probably scared for his life, and that's probably a bad. Uh, I, I don't think Shane Illingworth is is just going to be terrified, but. Uh, he's just not as equipped to deal with that well, as Spencer Sanders. He hadn't, uh, he hadn't seen Perkins running at right. him, though. I was about to say, and, and he also, <laughs> in the two games that he played, he didn't see the Oklahoma defensive line that right now looks really, really good. In fact, PFF, I, you know, take it for what it's worth, PFF right now grades the Oklahoma defensive line as the best defensive line in the country. Uh, okay, but again. Take it for what it's worth, yeah. but I'm... I'm that that defense is getting better. Well, they're better uh, on the defensive line. I I'm still not better. sold on the rest of it. They added Perkins. I mean, adding their best. I mean, Perkins adding back, getting back. I think he's probably their best, most proven player yeah. on that defense. So I think that helped a lot and made them better, and it can make that defensive line better. They they have some guys. Make no mistake, OU is extremely talented. Um, but I'm not gonna. The schedule also did them a favor. Now it gave them confidence. Now they believe they're a really good defense. But before, if they didn't play, maybe you throw a different team in there in that schedule that can actually score some points. For sure. They're not as confident. But this schedule has definitely helped. But they're starting to, they're getting to the quarterback now. Um, they figured out the ways to get to the quarterback. And they're starting to get those turnovers that they talked about. They're starting to find their way. And when you do that, they're just so hard to stop because they can come at you in so many ways offensively. So when they get ahead of you, they can now that now it doesn't now they can just unleash and start to play and they can just start reacting to what you do and go get in the quarterback. Whereas and when you get in those tough games, if you start sending extra pizza and they get behind you, 
If they go up again, now you're putting pressure on that freshman quarterback to have to make plays. So, and, and although he is great, you just don't want to do that and put him in harm's way because we know there's so many things that he hadn't seen, but right. he's getting so much better. Hopefully the veterans and the experience of Oklahoma State, they can get him to make a few mistakes, and if they can get that, they'll give themselves an opportunity. You think there's a legitimate quarterback battle next season? The only reason I say no, Kobe, is because they're going to have to – if they can't have a guy that can stand there in the pocket, if the line can't – there's no way he can play. Um, so I'm going to say I think, yes, it is a, going into the season. I think he's, Gundy's going to say the quarterback job is open because what we've seen and with Sanders, how he's played, you got to – you sometimes you got to wake a kid up a little bit like you know what you keep dropping the ball and I had to play you this kid now he has talent and he can do some of the things we want to do yeah. I'm going to give him reps just in case you're going to drop this football and continue to turn it over I'm going to play him so I'm going to get him ready maybe that's what Sanders may need is to get in that competition but for the most part He's just got to work on his accuracy. And, and you know, it's easy to say. You know, we're saying, oh, a guy needs to be a better shooter. Right. It's not as easy as I'm saying because I'm sure right. he's on his throwing all the time, you know. But, I mean, for him to really become that quarterback and to make this offense get to where it once was, he's got to get more accurate. And uh, and and I'm, I think he he's got to take care of the ball when he uses his legs. I think he does a good job. And he makes good plays and he hits big plays. If he can eliminate the turnovers – um, I think his job is definitely secure. And it's going to be, you know, how he finishes this season. It, it's hard to sit a guy if he's going to be a Big 12 champion. Yeah, agreed. I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, and honestly, like I said, I probably felt different about the outcome of this game two weeks ago. But at this point, a week away, when I when I just kind of evaluate it, like the Oklahoma offense has come along. Spencer Rattler has is getting better and more mature. But... I mean, it's, it's not as though he's just never going to make a mistake again. And certainly the Oklahoma State pressure, I think, might force him into a couple in that matchup. Oklahoma's going to hit big plays in that game. Bottom line, they're going to hit big plays in that game. But I think Oklahoma State is going to get their share of wins in that matchup as well. So that one's going to be a lot of fun. I just I don't really know what to expect from the Oklahoma State offense against the Oklahoma defense because if Sanders can get the ball out, I mean, you can you can torch that that Oklahoma secondary. I mean, they are there are there are big plays to be had against that group if you can get the ball out. But that's the biggest question. Oklahoma has been getting tremendous pressure with with their front four. Their defensive line's playing great, and the Oklahoma State offensive line right now is is in shambles. And that might be to me where there's the biggest separation of any matchup is OUD line, OSU offensive line. Yeah, and, and you're right, and that is the biggest. And you know, it always has been like that. Yeah. But the thing is, the one thing OU's always struggle with also in giving them fits is mobile quarterbacks. Well, Spencer Sanders is the most mobile quarterback in the league as far as using his legs. And when he uses his legs, that sometimes allows him to hit those big plays over the top. So as OU is rushing them, can they keep that discipline because they have been getting to the quarterback? Do they get greedy yeah. or do they stick his lanes and keep him in that pocket? And if they do that, now you're, 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 this, it sways a little to you're making him make that throw, that tough throw that he's had problems making. 
or do you say we're going to run and really get to him now and he gets to using his legs? Now that's when he becomes dangerous. And I think it gives him more confidence and that team more confidence because he can make plays in huge chunks with his legs. Yeah. It's going to be a good one, man. I'm excited about it. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, this Big 12 season has been crazy. It's a year unlike any other. And it almost seems like week to week, our opinions about what the the league as a whole looks like changes dramatically. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a fun game, and I expect a good one, regardless. I definitely expect a good game. I, I think it'll come down to the wire. But as I said, if Oklahoma State doesn't get get a few turnovers here and there, I think it's going to be tough for them because that offensive line will just lean on them. So I, I think they got to hit some big, big plays and get turnovers. If they can do that, force Riley to a cup, get some extra possessions for that offense. And, and try to get ahead and put that pressure on that freshman to hopefully you get them to make those mistakes by the score and getting them patient. So I think it's a, it'll be a great game. But unfortunately, I kind of think OU is going to find a way to squeak it out because even when they get cute, this is a game where they realize they don't want to lose this game and they don't get cute. They, they eventually say, you know what? Yeah. Let's just line up and play man-on-man, big boy football. Yeah. Uh, you have a master's pick, by the way? Uh, not really. I haven't even been paying attention. I just know it's on now. You know, <laughs> right. so it's like, oh man, I know I'm gonna watch it this weekend. Yeah, but I haven't been paying attention today and what happened or anything. So, um, I mean, of course, I like Tiger. I, I hope he plays well. But I do like some of the younger guys. Of course, I like Ricky. I like all the Oklahoma State boys. Matthew Wolf. No, no doubt he another young guy. Um, but I like Johnson. I like a few of those guys, man. I, I just like to watch it. I like the younger players because they're so strong and they tear the course up the old school way, just hitting it a mile. I like that they can hit it straight. It's a dip as man as as we've evolved in every sport as the generations come on, they just keep getting better. Right, and and it, it's exciting to be a part of and exciting to see. But I'll definitely be watching this weekend. All right, man. Uh, stay in touch. We'll uh, at some point we've got to get together. Maybe have some sort of like uh, socially distanced watch party or or something. No I don't know, we'll man. Be- we need to make it happen um, soon, though. Yes, sir. We will. Thanks for having me, Colby. All right, man. my friend. All right, buddy. Joe Adkins joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products abotanicalcompany.com or 405-458-9699. Once again, they are dedicated to helping you live a better life. So give them a call, check out the website, educate yourself on what they have available and how it might benefit your everyday life. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here for the weekend. Uh, No pregame show this weekend, obviously. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, both with the two-week period to get ready for Bedlam, which is going to be a ton of fun a week from tomorrow. So uh, everybody have a great weekend. If you want to hit me up, feel free to do so at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. I'll miss you guys. Everybody stay safe and have a great weekend. Okay. <laughs>